look at somebody and say, he is more than enough. He's everything you need. Say here, so here on this 
Jehovah Jireh.
standing before you now. Come on, tell him, Jesus. Jesus, you are more To feel the 
you know what real peace feels like. Because one of the Hebrew definitions of peace literally means nothing missing, nothing broken. Do you know what it feels like to feel like you don't need anything and like everything's kind of together in your life? That is peace. That is the peace that only Jesus can bring. The peace that you can feel in the middle of when all hell is breaking loose. You can still feel that peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Pure satisfaction in Jesus. Whenever you realize he's all you need, that is perfect peace. Come on, tell him one more time, he's all you need. All you want. You're all I want. God, we don't need anything but you. You're all I've ever needed. Yes, you are. People tell him Jesus is more than enough. For whatever you need, he is more than enough. Yes, come on, do you believe that today? Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. like to say something this morning to those of you here and those of you listening online this morning. Something pressing on me this morning. I've noticed, I've visited churches and I've noticed that we're raising up a generation today that it's all about praise. It's all about come as you are and just worship the Lord. Join in the crowd. Folks, there is no victory in Christ. There is no worship of this King Jesus until we come to the cross. We cannot afford to raise up a generation of people 
that want to come to Jesus without first paying a visit to the cross. The cross is where our victory and our life begins in Him this morning, people. For those of you listening, hear me online this morning. If you are, if you're at a crossroads in life, and you're thinking it's all about, well, I'll just come and join in the crowd. I'll worship the Lord. He's good with that. Can I tell you, it's not just about that. It's about that personal relationship. He wants that more than anything. Okay? He desires your sacrifice this morning. Come to the cross. We cannot come to Christ without we first by way of the cross. For that's where he gives us the victory is there. I want you to understand that and hear me this morning. I don't know why that was burning in my heart, but maybe somebody, whether here or online, I pray that you'll take that this morning and you'll grasp it and you'll come to understand that Jesus Christ loves you enough not to want you to stay where you are. We talked last week about that, Michelle and I briefly. People are of the idea this morning that Jesus loves me just the way I am. Can I tell you something? That's the biggest lie the devil has ever played on people this morning. He does love you. But the truth is, the cross is all about he didn't love you where you are, just the way you are. Because just the way you and I are, Miss Betty, it ain't good enough. Before we come to the cross, we're wretched. We are unholy in God's eyes. But it's only by way of the cross I'm an old-fashioned believer, Lamont, just like you. The old rugged cross is the only way. Had it not been for a hill called, and maybe I'm preaching this morning, for a hill called Mount Calvary, then forever my soul would be lost. Folks, we're not good enough. We cannot just come and sit in church and think, because I jump and I shout and I raise my hands that, one day, when that trumpet sounds, I'm going to be caught away. You're going to be fooled. Melody, we're not good enough without the cross. Understand that today. If you're here and you've never come to the cross, can I encourage you before this day is over, before you walk out the doors, find your way to the cross. Do not believe the lie that God loves you just the way you are. You might be living an alternative lifestyle. Can I tell you this morning, you're blinded. God does not love you in that sin. He didn't love me in my sin. When I sin today, Pastor Josiah, he don't love me in my sin. If I desire to walk away from the umbrella of the cross, guess what? Jesus is here. I go over here. He don't go with me. The way I describe it to my family, and Kelsey can vouch for me, you walk out from under the umbrella of God's covering when you decide, I will sin and think that it's okay with God. It's not. I don't know who it's for, but you know in your heart. Come to the cross. Amen. 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 Let's go to the cross. Amen. You guys can play the intermission video whenever you're ready.
see everyone here today. You can see some new faces. So welcome to Crossroads. I am Serena. I am Pastor Josiah's wife. Um, let me go over the women's retreat. Don't forget about that. If you want a, um, a brochure, I believe that's what you can, or a pamphlet maybe, sign-up sheet is back there at the Info Center. Also, we have the Fall Fling coming up. It's August 6th. Uh, maybe you have something in the works. Uh, make sure you talk to Miss Jackie if you have any other questions. I'm sure she will gladly help you. We are going to go ahead and dismiss Children's Church. We're going to be over in this corner today with Miss Brenda. All right. Is everyone awake this morning? Can I see you all smile? I, everyone's like, I need to see you smile. Thank you. Thank you. I want to see your beautiful teeth or beautiful. <laughs> see, I made you laugh. All right. Right. Am I on? Hello? One, two, one, two. Hello, everybody. Hello. Happy Fourth of July. Independence Day. Hey, man, aren't we, aren't we blessed to live in a country we can worship God, where we can freely come to church? Because I'm telling y'all, y'all, I've been to countries where they did not openly, they were not able to openly worship. And while those churches are strong, that's a, that's a hard way to live. And it's sad because a lot of them are more exuberant about their faith than we are in America, and we have a lot more freedom. So we have to be careful that our freedom does not make us lazy. Amen? Amen. But happy Fourth of July. It's very odd for Fourth of July to literally fall on a Sunday this year, but it's great to see everybody. Thank you guys for choosing to come here. Then you can go eat as many hot dogs after you want after this. And then invite me over later. Uh, here, Bradley, before you pull up that first image, I just I want to say something first, and then we're going to get into the project. Um, do we all believe that churches should have order? There should be order, right? Hierarchy of authority. Not that the pastor rules over anybody, but that God has given the pastor and the executive council and executive staff authority in the church, Correct. Well, something has come to my attention, and after looking at insurance policies and all these different things that me and Miss Melody has spoken of, it came to my attention that a lot of people in the church who are not on the executive council or executive staff have keys to the facilities. So in order for us to tie up some loose ends, I'm going to need, unless you lead a ministry, unless you're executive staff or executive council, I'm going to need you to return your keys to me. But if you feel like it is just so necessary for you to have a key, we can meet about it. Sound good? I'm not going to say you like my decision, but we can talk about it. Amen? And just know I love you guys, right? Right? Everyone, we okay with that? We're good? Everyone kind of looks mad. I promise I'm not, like, disciplining you. This is just something we have to do as a church body. Um, we've been talking about structuring for growth, correct? Because we want this church to grow. Amen? We want this church to grow. Well, in order to do that, we have to leave behind some of these small church mentalities, which means if you come to church here, you own the church, but that's, that's not true. You're family of the church, but you don't own the church. Amen? So this isn't something I'm trying to be mean to you. I'm trying to steward this church properly so to the point where we get to 200 congregants, amen, which I'm, we're believing for, we have the correct safeties in place to make sure we can maintain that. Amen? All right, y'all still love me? Amen. Seth, it's good to see you. T, what's up, man? How y'all doing? Good to see y'all. I've seen y'all in a couple weeks. Look, I'm ashamed. I'm on another red. Good to see you, fellas. Uh, Brother Bally, will you bring up 
the image for me before we get into the word? All right. The Cool It Project. All right, the Cool It Project. So, as some of you know, that kitchen is really hot right now. Real hot. I'm talking. It's running like up in the 80s during the day. It's like a hot box. Y'all, some of our AC units have gone out. And as you know, these big old giant AC units are not cheap to fix. Amen? They're not, y'all. These things, I'm talking, for two of them, it's like $27,000. It's a lot of cash. Now, the Lord has given Miss Melody some creative ways to save us a good, a good chunk of change. Praise the Lord. But as a church, as a congregation, first off, this is to you. We want to raise $40,000. Whoa, $40,000. Pastor Josiah, look at the size of our church. But look at the size of our God. Amen. And we, me and the council, we all, we, we literally, we spent about an hour and 15 minutes just diving. Now, we've been talking about this for a while. But we spent an hour and 15 minutes truly looking at the options. And you know what we decided? We decided instead of directly going for a loan and putting this church in debt, we're going to trust the Lord. Amen? Amen? The Lord is our first option. The bank is our last option. Amen? Now, we are believing the Lord to provide $40,000. That will cover the cost, but also leave a little extra because we have another unit on its last leg. And y'all, we have two other units that are 21 years old. Almost, I'm 24. They're almost as old as me. Okay? So we are believing that the Lord is going to bless this ministry as we are faithful to him and trust him. Because what does the word say? If you trust him and you believe him and you have faith, whatever you ask will be given unto you. Now, we're not being heretical and saying you can get a Lamborghini. God, I want a Lamborghini. Amen. No. Stewarding his church. Because whose church is this? His church. So that is what that is what we are aiming for. That is the goal is $40,000. Now, I know some of y'all have some great connections. Some of y'all are networkers. Some of y'all are. And some of y'all are really good at this fundraising thing. Y'all, you know what's crazy? When you open up to businesses, a lot of businesses want to help churches. And it's a tax write-off. So spread the word to your businesses, wherever you work, or if you're a business owner, talk it over with your board. That is the goal. And we're believing for that, right? Because we are believing for the greater things of God, like Scripture said in Isaiah, talking to the Pharisees, that he would confound them over and over with wonder after wonder. And we are believing in these last days that the Holy Spirit is going to move like he hasn't in a long time because we are now stepping into a place of belief and faith in the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right, uh, Brother Bradley, you can pull up my PowerPoint, please, sir. Brother Eddie, thank you for sharing. Because if you saw me reading my Bible up here, brother, I was on the same wavelength. The Holy Spirit would not let me put my Bible down. And I just, before I even get to my PowerPoint, I just want to read what the, what the Lord led me to. Uh, Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. This is Jesus speaking. He walks into the synagogue and he picks up the book of Isaiah that was prophesied about him. And this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what does our God do? And this is Independence Day. To proclaim the release to the captives and to free the oppressed. Y'all, if that's not the gospel right there, that is what Jesus came to do. And Jesus even says more in John three sixteen and 17. He says, 
God sent his son to die for the world, but he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. A lot of times we stop at verse 16, but I love verse 17 that says he did not come to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to point fingers at the sinners. He came for sinners. He came for us. And it was found at the cross. And I, I, I want to flip real quick one more time, and then I'll actually get into my message for today. But Matthew, book of Matthew, chapter 6, sorry, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, it says, this is Jesus. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Amen. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Y'all, Jesus is the solid foundation. And no matter what life throws at you, no matter what comes at you, Jesus is the foundation that we can stand on. Amen? Everything else is sinking sand. No other foundation is going to stand. Why? Because, y'all, life is hard. And in this church, we know life is hard. And we talk about the hardness of life, right? We're not coming to church thinking that this is some fairy tale, right? That you get saved and life is just a walk in the lilies. No, life is hard. But Jesus is the foundation that we stand on. So, Brother Eddie, thank you for sharing what you did. Because in Independence Day, we need to know what freedom truly is and where freedom is truly found. While we live in America, and this is an amazing nation where we have freedom to worship, we are first Christians. And our Christianity comes before our patriotism. Because why? We have died to the flesh, and now we are living in Christ. We're a new creation. But amen. Praise the Lord. So this, this sermon order is actually, it might even end up being three weeks. Y'all, I don't know. The Lord led this on my heart. Last week, we talked about do what makes you holy instead of doing what makes you happy. And this word order, just from y'all watching the news, seeing how just the way the world is right now, and how we talked about last week, just in the past decade, even how the world has changed so much, especially in my generation that we, it's just kind of a do what you feel type generation. And this word order has been stuck in my heart. And this is a message for the church. Why? Because God is the God of order. God is the God of order. And the world is seeking chaos right now. We're going to talk a little bit about what this looks like today. Without order, there's only chaos. Do we agree? When there is no order, there is chaos. Before God created order in the universe, there was only a void of chaos and darkness. So what is God? He's the originator of order. God is the one who brought order to our universe. The order of God sustains all things upon the earth, all of it. Without the order of God, humanity and all living creatures perish. Amen? He's the one who created. He set in order the atmosphere, oxygen, ecosystems, biomes, etc. Everything we have in place that literally provides life on this earth, he placed in the proper order in the beginning of time. And we could, y'all, we could even get into the fact that Humans have messed up the actual natural order of things. We could talk about the way we treat animals, the way we farm animals these days, where it's not true farming. We just put them all in these tiny little cells and butcher them. 
We've gone against every, pretty much every order God has set in this universe. Deforestation. We've cut down the majority of the trees. We're killing the ocean by overfishing. All the coral reefs, y'all, did y'all know coral reefs provide like, I think it's 70% of carbon dioxide, way more than our trees do? And we're killing our oceans. So even if we wanted to look at the natural aspect of the world, we can see that even in the natural, not just the spiritual, even in the natural aspect of order in the universe, we're even destroying that. Because when we leave the order of God, there's only chaos. And this may not seem like a problem now, but 30 years from now, y'all going to look back and be like, wow, Pastor Josiah talked about that. Because we're killing our own earth. Y'all, church doesn't always have to be strictly spiritual. I'm just talking about humanity and the way we've left the order of God. Even in the physical. Science does not disprove God. It actually proves God. I don't know how many of you keep up with science journals, but majority, actually almost all scientists, even atheists will tell you, you cannot disprove God. You can just choose to believe that there's not a God. You can't disprove God. Actually, they're actually figuring out that the Big Bang Theory actually proves the Bible more than it disproves the Bible. Because what does the Bible say? God spoke and it came into existence. What would that look like? Bang. So science does not disprove God. It actually proves because look at the order of the universe. Look at the order of the universe. Even, y'all, when I was in Ireland, I caught myself just staring over, over the mountains, over the clifftops, and just being amazed. But then I looked down and saw this tiny grasshopper and it just brought me back to the realization that everything in God's beautiful world matters. And that God set order from the most beautiful sights to the tiniest of insects. Everything has its place in the order of God. Order brings freedom. Order brings freedom. Chaos brings captivity. I want you to write that down. Order brings freedom. Freedom, chaos brings captivity. We are living in a day and age of chaos because humanity has left the proper order of God. This isn't the first time, though. It happens again and again. I don't know if, I don't know if you've read your Bible from beginning to end, but what you, one thing you'll realize is that humanity doesn't change. The people from Genesis are the same as people today. Humanity once again has denied the living God and forfeited true freedom to live in a life of idolatry and sexual immorality. We are willingly choosing captivity. Every day. There's nothing new under the sun. History is repeating itself. It's repeating itself. Let's take one example from Scripture. When the Lord saw that, this is Genesis 6, 5-8, it's up on the screen. When the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. So what does this tell us first? Christians, don't be surprised by the evil in the world. Sometimes I I feel like some of y'all are just dumbfounded by how evil the world is. Y'all, it's always been this way. We live in a fallen world with sinful people. It's the same it's always been. Right? It's the same it's always been. Verse 6. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was deeply grieved. Y'all, that's sad, because sometimes I feel like God feels that way today. I genuinely feel like he, he feels that way today. Thank God he made the promise. Thank you, God, that he made the promise to never destroy mankind like that again. Then the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I created off the face of the earth, together with the animals, creatures that crawl, and birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. 
Noah, you know, and I added verse 8 because I love this. I love this so much. Y'all don't understand how much I love this. Noah, however, found favor with the Lord. One man. One man out of the whole earth. What does that tell me? God is looking for one righteous person. One righteous person to pioneer a move of God in the earth. And I feel like sometimes we think, God, I'm just one person. He used one person to save all of humanity. And if we believe the Bible is true, that should be very significant for us today. Because when we're looking, Noah saw a true sea. We see a sea of wickedness today. And when we're looking at the sea of wickedness and we get called, woe is me, God, what can I do? What can I do? If you are willing and you put your place in the right standing before a mighty God, allowing the Holy Spirit to move through you, all it takes is one person. One person. That's not even what I want to preach on. That, 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 just, that does something for my spirit. Because when I'm discouraged looking at this, first off, I see a lot more than one person in this room. Amen? So if Noah, one man, imagine what a church full of righteous people could do. Amen. All right, you won't, I don't think you'll be able to read this from up here, but this, this is adding on. All right, this is, who's heard of Tom Holland, the historian? He's super famous. Not Tom Holland, Spider-Man. That's not him. <laughs> no one's ever heard of the historian Tom Holland? I guess, I guess I'm the only one who likes to read history books. But listen, this, this is what historian and atheist Tom Holland said. While, while studying what? History. While studying the ancient world, Holland writes, he realized something. Simply, the ancients were cruel and their values utterly foreign to him. The Spartans routinely murdered imperfect children. The bodies of slaves were treated like outlets for the, for the physical pleasure of those with power. Infanticide was common. The poor and the weak had no rights. So what is this showing, y'all? It was chaos. The powerful and the wealthy did whatever they wanted to. There was no regulations. If you had the power, you could do whatever you wanted to. How did we get from there to here? It was Christianity. Holland writes how Christianity revolutionized sex and marriage, demanding that men control themselves and prohibiting all forms of rape. Christianity confined sexuality within monogamy. It is ironic, Holland notes, that these are now the very standards for which Christianity is derided. Christianity elevated women. What? Yeah, it did. For all those feminists out there that says Christianity holds women back, no. Christianity was the first example of feminism in the world. Did y'all not see all the women that were with Jesus, serving alongside Jesus in ministry, whose faith was actually stronger than the male disciples? Who were actually more committed than the male disciples. Why? Because when Jesus died, the male disciples scattered and the women disciples stayed right by the tomb. Christianity does not oppress women, it frees women. Mm. In short, Christianity utterly transformed the world. That's a historian writing this. Y'all, the world needs us. The world needs Christianity. Why? Because it holds the world to a standard. Holds the world to a standard. The Holy Bible, this right here that we have, was given to humanity to restore order in the earth. Y'all realize, you want to know how you live your life in the order? Read your Bible. It lays it out clear and plain for the world. The Holy Bible is the standard that all of humanity needs. Y'all do realize there are people in the church who don't even necessarily believe in Jesus, but they like the order and the standards that the Bible upholds. 
the morality and the ethics of the Word of God. Without it, everything is subjective and there is no order. You guys, you do realize we live in a world of subjective truth. What does that mean? That means everyone gets to pick and choose their own truth. How many of us have heard the saying, live your, live your own truth? Do you realize how dangerous that is? When ev- Y'all realize there's like 8 billion people on this planet. Do, can you realize how dangerous that is if we all live to a different standard of truth? That's chaos. That is utter chaos. Humanity needs absolute truth. Me and Pastor Charlie talked about this. Humanity needs absolute truth. Why? Because we're evil. <laughs> y'all, we are so bad. Like, y'all understand it's not true that humans are born good. We're not. I have a two-month-old. And he's naughty. <laughs> like, he bullies me, y'all. He wants milk. He just screams in my face till I give it to him. Listen, humans are not born good. Like Brother Eddie said, we are born wicked. We need the cross. We need the cross. It reveals to humanity what our true identity and purpose are. Listen, why is there an identity crisis in society today? We don't know who we are. We have no idea who we are, so we make things up and categories to fit in. We don't know our purpose, so we create a billion until we don't even know what we're living for anymore. Why do you think suicide is at such a high rate? There is no purpose. People don't understand why they're alive and what is the point of it all. It's a lack of identity and a lack of purpose. Morality and ethics are what maintain or destroy a nation and people. Do we understand that? The morality, let's, let's look, morality emphasizes the widely shared com- communal or societal norms about right and wrong. The communal assessment of what is good, right, or just for all. Ethics are the decisions based up- upon individual character and the more subjective understanding of right and wrong by individuals. The individual assessment of what is right and wrong. A sad thing about the United States of America, we've traded morality for ethics. What am I saying? There's no more standard for the nation. Everyone gets to pick and choose what they want to do. Society has no more standards. There, there's no, no, and y'all, I'm just talking from a physical aspect. America used to set high standards for their, for their citizens. We held ourselves to a very high standard of pride in this nation and what we stood for. We were proud of what we stood for. Freedom is what we stood for. But now we've traded that for ethics, and now everyone gets to pick and choose what this country stands for. That's why we see the American flag being burned and trampled on, and we see Olympians turning their back to the flag, not caring about their nation anymore. Judaism and Christianity set the standard for the world. It genuinely set the standard for the world. The only ethics are biblical ethics. Why? Because the Bible is the only source of truth besides the Holy Spirit working in the life of a believer and a believer. This is the only truth we have. This is the only truth we can cling to. If it's not the Holy Spirit in a believer, a fully cleansed believer, dealing in your heart, guys, you cannot trust the world. Why? Because the world is lying to you. Why do you think every news source is telling you something different? They don't care about you. You understand the world does not care about you. The school systems do not care about your children. If they did, they would actually teach your children something. Amen. I would know. I graduated from high school in 2015. I didn't learn a lick. 
I had straight A's and B's and I didn't learn anything from high school. Why? Because they don't care about you. It's just a machine running. The word of God is the only absolute truth we have to cling to in this world. Scripture sets the standard for morality and ethics. Young people, anybody, if you are living contrary to the morality and ethics of the Bible, you're outside the order of God. Amen. This is me including. Remember, I deal with this too. I'm a human being, a young one in a very wicked generation of people. But I don't give up on my generation. I know God's going to move. Why? Because I am a righteous person in my generation. And if even if there's one, God will move. But we have to hold ourselves to the standard of the Bible, not your feelings. Why? Because your feelings are deceptive. What does the Bible say about your heart? It is deceptive above all else. Your heart, your feelings will lead you astray. It will lead you astray. Running from relationship to relationship will do nothing but hurt you. That's it. Your heart will lead you astray. The Ten Commandments in the Old Testament set the standard for Israel. Set the standard for Israel to be a people set apart in that day and age. And then here comes Jesus. And what does Jesus say in Matthew 5 through 7? He says, you have heard, but now I say to you. Why? Because Jesus raised the standard for humanity. Why? What does Romans 5 tell us? Jesus came as the new Adam. What does Adam mean? It means human. Jesus came to set the standard for the new humanity. Who is the new humanity? It's us. So if we are not living to the standard that Jesus set forth in his, not only in his teachings, but in his life, we're falling short of the order of God. This didn't just set the order for individuals, it set the order for the populace. The populace. And now, y'all, I'm not even talking about the world at this point. I'm talking about the church of God. Jesus wasn't just speaking to the world. He was speaking to all people who would come to believe in his name. So he set the standard. Who's the populace? The church of God. But it's sad because a lot of churches are not operating within the morality or ethics of the order of God anymore. Amen. We live in a day and age, guys, where the church is no longer actually the church. And if it's not entertaining, we don't want to be there. And I hope you guys know I'm specifically preaching a specific way right now because I don't want y'all to get caught up on the way I preach. I'm laying it out in teaching form right now. Because one thing, I'm going to be honest with y'all about myself, I struggle with pride. Sometimes I think I'm bad to the bone. I do. Y'all know that song, Bad to the Bone? That's my jam. I struggle with pride. So in this season, the Holy Spirit made it clear to me, I need to teach this way from a PowerPoint. So I don't think it's just me doing this. Because I'm being, y'all see, I'm being honest with y'all. I'm being transparent with you. So for us not to get, yeah, Jason, thank you. Y'all, Jason's my hype man, and I love it. Listen, for us not to get caught up in the hype of the world, we're keeping it genuine. God doesn't care about hype. He cares about true, genuine Holy Spirit movement. Listen, and I'm, I'm going to lay this out. Y'all, the, the only reason the world considers these to be wrong is because Christianity set the standard that these are wrong. And how do I know this? Because, y'all, the other countries in the world besides America are currently operating in these things, and there's lawlessness. 
Has anyone here studied Africa or, or been to Africa in the tribal regions? There's no law. There's no law. Y'all, y'all understand that, right? It's, it's pure tribal warfare. Have you studied South America or the Amazonian regions? Pure tribal warfare. Why? Because the gospel has not penetrated that region. So they don't have a standard to live to. So what does scripture say? Adultery is wrong. Right? It deals, Jesus deals, Jesus, look, Jesus takes it farther. Jesus says not even just committing the act. He says you look at a woman or women, you look at a man and you desire them in your heart from a lustful standing which means that Christians, we have, to be, we have to be weariful of pornography. Why? Because if you're a Christian and you watch pornography, you're committing adultery. Amen. Who said that? Jesus. And that's a hard truth. Why? Because 74% of males in churches today watch pornography. That's a real statistic. You know how, you know how many percentages of past, male pastors watch pornography? 62%. So what did I tell y'all last week? I put blockers parental blockers on all my devices. And you know who has my password? My wife. Why? Because Jesus said, even if you look at a woman, women, even if you look at a man, that is adultery. Not, oh, Bethany, that's a, no. When you look at a person with the intent of lust, that's adultery. Murder is wrong. In a lot of countries, y'all, murder isn't wrong. It's not. Rape is wrong. Theft is wrong. Abuse is wrong. Slavery is wrong. What? The Bible? Yes, the Bible addresses slavery. That is why Paul writes many times, Now therefore, in Christ Jesus, there's neither free nor slave, Greek nor Jew. He lays it out. Because in Christ Jesus, we are what? We are free. And yes, the scripture deals with slavery. And it's a horrible thing that happened in America. It's a horrible thing thing that happened throughout the world. But I praise God for freedom in the year 2021. That brothers and sisters of all color can come together and worship the name of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died for all people. And believe it or not, Jesus was not a white man. Jesus was a brown man from the Middle East. The order of morality and ethics. Morality and ethics are set in stone by God. Do we understand that? Morality and ethics, you cannot pick and choose. They are set in stone by God. How do we know them? We read our Bibles. God laid it out plain and clear how we are meant to live our lives on this earth. Without him, there's no absolute truth, no right or wrong. Y'all understand without the Bible holding people to a standard, there is no true right and wrong. It's not. That's why the world can live in a subjective truth, because they have no form of absolute truth. It doesn't exist. There's no form of absolute truth. God writes morality and ethics in the DNA of man. Do we understand that? When humanity is created, when you are born, there is something in you. I like the way Brother Eddie put it. You're under the umbrella of Christ, the protective boundary. Yes, children, when you're born as a human being, you are under that. But listen, when man rejects God, he rejects his own DNA and purpose. When you reject God, when you live according to the way you want to, you reject your own DNA. What you were created for, the order in which you were established, you reject that when you go outside the will of God. What happens when God releases humanity from the moral and ethical code and law? Well, we're about to look. Has anyone ever read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis? Y'all know the first couple chapters, he talks about how God has placed in every human being an understanding of right and wrong. And he calls that the moral code. 
And every human being is born with this moral and ethical code inside of you. It's just, it's inherent in the way that you are created. Well, let's look, because this is going to explain a lot about the world. Let's look what happens when we are released, okay? Because listen, you can only reject God so many times until he releases you from that umbrella of covering. And he says, okay, you truly don't want me? Have what you want. Listen, this is a hard truth some of us us are going to deal with. People are going to go to hell. That's just true. I'm not here preaching in hellfire brimstone. People are going to go to hell. But have you ever thought about this? Some people who are, going to, who are going to hell, even when they're in hell, they're not going to want to leave. They don't want anything to do with God. That's, that's a fact. Some people don't want anything to do with God. Nothing. And even if they were in hell, listen, they still wouldn't want anything to do with God. And that's a hard truth we have to deal with. But guys, we understand when you reject, and I'm not saying no one is beyond being saved. No one is beyond the cross. But when you reject God day after day after day after day for years and years, why then would you want something to do with him? And we're, we're going to look at scripture that clearly shows this. You ready? Romans 1 is going to be 18 through 32. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The world is suppressing the truth. The truth, the word of God. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. How can we know there's a God? By what he's made. The world. And I just told you all a minute ago, the leading scientists, the leading atheists will tell you they cannot disprove there's a God. They choose to believe there's not a God. So what does this scripture tell us? They can clearly see there's a God, but people are choosing not to believe there's a God. Did y'all know in every society, even those who have not heard the gospel, have some type of story about someone coming to die for their sins? Every culture, you can look it up. Every culture has it. Every culture, I believe, ah, what tribe is it? It's a tribe in the Amazon, but this uh, missionary was ministering to these people. He was the first ever missionary to go to this tribe. And they, they had a literal story about a baby who was given in the beginning of time to die for their sins. Where do you think they got that from? It's Jesus. Did y'all know right now in the Middle East, I want y'all to look this up. In the Middle East, Muslims, devout Muslims are having dreams of Jesus. Dreams of Jesus. And there's currently a movement within the Islamic culture in the Middle East of people having dreams of Jesus. Yeah. Humanity has no excuse. We don't. And that's a hard truth. But Pastor, what about those who have not heard the gospel? What did it just say right here? He's made it clear through his creation. And y'all, I could get in all types of stories about these types of things. We're talking about the spirit of the rainforest on a Wednesday night. And this book deals with the Amazonian tribe who literally lived day to day with demonic spirits who guided them and taught them and gave them victory in battle. But you know what? They knew there's a God. You want to know why? Because there was a spirit of light that would try to come to them. But the demons would lie to them to tell them to run from the spirit of light. Who's the spirit of light? God. Y'all, God isn't just sitting by while people have never heard the gospel. He's working. In ways we can't understand. Amen? 
There's no excuse. God is working. As a result, people are excused. What, what, is, what does Scripture say? As a result, people are without excuse. And listen, I want to tell you all something. Do you all realize that the Roman Empire was one of the most nasty, depraved, wicked empires to ever rule? Y'all understand that? So for us to think that the world is just evil, 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 y'all, Paul was dealing with the same type of people and probably even worse when he wrote this. So if those people who were utterly wicked had no excuse, people today have no excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. I know a lot of people in today's age who claim to be wise, but they're fools. I'm not being mean, I'm being honest. Because we reject the will of God for man-made things. And exchange the glory of, of sorry, and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Okay, we don't worship statues, but we do worship cell phones. We don't worship statues, but we do worship our jobs. We don't worship statues, but we do worship money. Amen. Idolatry is not just some metal, some metal statue put up in front of you. It's anything you place in front of God in your place of worship. Hey, young people, your boyfriends and girlfriends easily can become idolatry. How would I know that? Because I used to do that. We got to be careful. Same in marriages. It's the same in marriages. We have to be careful, Christians. We have to be careful. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. Y'all do understand this, this country is so over-sexualized. Everything is sex. And sorry if there's any young people, but it's true. Even the commercials we have are about sex. Why? Sex sales. Why? Because we're evil. And what does Scripture clearly show when people leave the covering, the ethical and moral code of God? God delivers them. What does that say? God delivered them. What, God, you would never? No, he does. Because like Brother Eddie said, you cannot live in sin and be in the order of God. And if you continue to choose sin over God, he'll let you. Mm. And the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. Y'all, we're even, we're even sexualizing our children. Our children can't even be children anymore. It's, it's horrifying and so sad. So that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator. If that is not the truth of today. Even in the church, y'all, even in the church, we have forsaken the worshiping of the creator God to worship the creation of man. Y'all, this hype culture in churches of strobe lights and just rock and roll and a pastor telling you an hour-long story and then maybe sharing one passage of scripture, if that, y'all, that's evil. That's evil. That is not Christianity. Y'all do understand that scripture we're, we're going to read at the end of this in Colossians. It talks about the way that Christians are conducted with one another to teach in all wisdom and to expound upon the word together and to sing hymns and songs and songs of praise together, yo, that's supposed to be intimate. That's personal. Well, a couple weeks ago, we talked about koinonia fellowship, the dynamic relationship between God, man, and each other. We're not looking for, who in here is looking for hype culture? 
Because this is not the church for you. Y'all, I cannot stand hype culture. Why? Because it's not genuine. Y'all, I was at Elevation Church for a while. I'm going to tell, tell you, before I came to this church, I was at Elevation Church for a while. And a lot of people love Stephen Furtick and that preaching. Ooh, Stephen Furtick. Y'all, that man barely opens his Bible, and that's why I left that church. Why? Because in these last days, people are being led astray by the hype culture. Christians, strong Christians, are being led astray by hype culture, and their spirits are shriveling up like little, diminished, starving children. There's no meat. In church, we may see this as just a message to the world, but this is a message to us. That even the church, listen, 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 listen. The church can build a Christian empire without God. Churches can plant church after church after church without God. Y'all understand, at the end of the day, a lot of these churches are businesses. And if you've got, if you've got the right model, you're going to be successful. That's why the, some of these church planning agencies will plant the same exact church, just in different locations, and all of them are the exact same church. Christians, we have to be careful. This message is for us. Verse 26. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Okay, listen. There's, there's a lot of debate about the word homosexuality in Scripture. And I'm not going to get into all the verbiage, but y'all, these people don't know what they're talking about. Just because the actual word homosexuality is not in there until the 60s does not mean men having sex with men is not in the Bible. It is in the Bible. It is in the Bible. And women having sex with women. And we're about to deal with it right here. Because why? Y'all, Paul's writing this to the church in Rome. The Romans were evil. They were doing all types of crazy. I'm not going to get it, y'all. I'm not going to get into the stories of the... If any of you read history, historians' stories about the soldiers of Rome, y'all, them people were nasty. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. What is that? It's lesbianism. The men, in the same way, also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Guys, that's homosexuality. And listen, all sexual immorality is wrong. In the church, we only want to talk about homosexuality for some reason. Pornography is wrong. Adultery is wrong. Rape is wrong. Pedophilia is wrong. Listen, any sexual immorality is wrong. Listen, for some reason, Christians only want to deal with politics when it's about abortion or homosexuality. Listen, those are not the only topics in the Bible. <laughs> what you watch with your eyes on television is just as much a sin as living a homosexual lifestyle. If you are watching shows that have constant profanity, sex, sex, innuendos all the time, that is also held at the same standard in the eyes of God. You understand this. Without Jesus Christ, we are all wicked. Without the cross, we would all be crucified in eternal flames. The men in the same way also left natural desires. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their errors. Y'all, that, that's sexual diseases. AIDS, HIVs, that's where it came from. Scripture clearly shows that. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, 
God delivered them over to a corrupt mind. Other, other passages call this a reprobate mind. What does that mean? You know, it means your mind doesn't work properly anymore. It means it doesn't function. You, you cannot understand right and wrong. God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. Listen, y'all, I'm not pointing a finger at the world. I'm just reading scripture. Y'all realize I didn't write this? Y'all understand Josiah Hodge did not write the book of Romans? Yes, we're in agreement? Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad because some of y'all look at me like I'm like saying mean things. But it's the Bible. And if you're a Christian, what do you believe? The Bible. This isn't, y'all understand, this is not my opinion. This, this is not my opinion. They're full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters. Y'all, we live in a current world that are God-haters more than anything. God-haters. Arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil. That's a fact. Disobedient to parents. That is a fact. Y'all, I worked, I worked in child care for six years. Children do not understand what it is to have respect for a parent anymore. Y'all understand children are currently the authorities in their household instead of parents are the authorities in their household? I'm just being honest. Y'all want to know why? Because I worked with kids for six years and seeing the way they interact with their parents is atrocious. Y'all, if I would have ever spoke to my parents that way, y'all, I'm going to tell y'all something that happened. No, I'm not going to tell y'all. My mom would beat me. (laughs) Y'all, one time, I was so disrespectful. Y'all, I was bad. Y'all, listen, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor now, but y'all, I was bad. I was real bad until I was 19 years old. I was bad. Listen, I was so disrespectful one time that my mama walked up to me. Listen, and I I had some nappy hair, y'all. I had some long hair. I had a mop on my head. I think it was like in eighth grade. She grabbed me by my hair and drug me across the floor and spanked my behind. And she's going she's gonna to beat me again when she sees this line. <laughs> Y'all, parents, parents, you have to reestate the authority in your household. Amen. And I don't care how old they are. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, if they're in your household, they act according to your rules. Listen, 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 listen. I'm 24 and I love God, but even if I wasn't, I know if I walked in my daddy's house, I walk in there acting a fool, he's going to tear me up. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Listen, parents, you may have kids in their 30s acting a fool. When they come to your household, you better not let them act like a fool. You are the authority. I understand when they're 18, they're grown adults. But when it comes in your household, y'all, we, that's the order. Y'all, did you under, understand this? Book of Exodus, book of Numbers, book of Deuteronomy, book of Joshua and Judges. Going on, if an adult child did not take care of their parents or disrespected their parents, do you know what they did? They killed them. Parents, you got authority over even your grown kids. Don't Don't let them use you for your resources either. Don't play games. Christians, we, listen, I've been teaching on authority on Wednesday nights. If y'all haven't watched or been there, you need to watch that. We have the authority to reestablish order, first in the church, second in our homes, and third in the world. If there's no order in the church, then we should even be here right now. Second off, 
what does scripture say about a leader in the church? If your household is out of order, you should not be in a, place, in, in a position of power. Christians, get your house in order. Get your house in order. Hmm. Senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Y'all know what's crazy to me? These agendas that, that claim tolerance the most are the least tolerant people in the world. I'm not saying Christians are any better. Listen, yo, we aren't any better. A lot of times churches are like, oh, come to our church. Like, we love you. But the moment that someone looks different than us, we don't want them there. The moment someone has a nose ring, we don't want them there. The moment someone's got tattoos, we don't want them there. If we are going to claim that we serve Jesus Christ, who what? When he came, he said, I came for the sick and the lost, not the righteous. Listen, listen, listen. If we sit in this church every Sunday, we never, get, we never have a new person come in. We never have someone who's living in a life of sin come in. Then we're not living according to our purpose of being here. This is why we're putting together an evangelism team. Why? Because there are lost people in our influence, in our radius of a couple miles who need Jesus. And if we sit here every Sunday and play church, then we are missing the point. Because firstly, we restore order in this church. Thank God y'all had an amazing pastor before me who kept order. Second off, we restore order in our home. But third off, we restore order in our communities. Why? Because Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. And I have given you the authority to reestablish order. But too long, y'all, Christianity has been a concept and not a reality. The concept of Jesus is beautiful. Is it not? Y'all, even, even philosophers will say the concept of Jesus is beautiful. The fact that someone would come down from the heavens to die for your sins so you don't have to do anything is beautiful. But the reality is not in many people's hearts that that actually happened. Which is once again why, why I state this. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Because not for everyone, Jesus is not a reality for everyone who says they believe. That's a hard truth we all have to deal with. Although they know God's just sentence that those who practice such things deserve, deserve to die, they not only do them, but they even applaud others who practice them. And y'all, I'm not trying to bash homosexuality, but they, there was just a whole month of pride encouraging other people to do it. And it, it breaks my heart because it's not just homosexuality. We understand that, right? Abortion also is pushed. Living however you want is pushed. Lying, lying to get ahead is also pushed. And it breaks my heart that these are the standards, the ethics that we live in today. And listen, Christians, we have got to only, we've got to stop only talking about homosexuality and abortion. Y'all realize there are so many more sins than those two. So how about instead of just pointing fingers at only specific groups, we extend arms and show what it means to be free. Because why? Jesus came to set the captives free and to release the oppressed. We are called to be the new humanity. Well, what does that even look like? Instead of lying, we speak the truth. 
Instead of anger, we act in gentleness. Instead of stealing to get ahead, we earn. We earn and we give. Foul language, clean speech. Instead of bitterness, forgiveness. Instead of wrath, mercy. Instead of shouting, peace. Instead of slandering, we encourage. Instead of apathy, compassion. Instead of sexual immorality, purity. Instead of hate, love. Instead of wickedness, holiness. Instead of murder, we speak life. And like, let, let, let's just look at that list one more time. I'm not going to read them, but let's just look at that. Y'all, this is the standard Jesus set for us. And when people see you living this type of way, because y'all, now I'm dealing with the church. When people see the church living in this type of way, okay, they see, and y'all, I'm telling you, it's something so simple as being kind to a waitress who has a terrible attitude. When people see you, y'all, it's the simple things. We don't, y'all, we don't got to have a crazy service where everyone's falling out in the spirit to make an impact. First off, the main impact shouldn't even be in this church. It should be outside this church. Y'all understand every single one of y'all are, are a missionary? Wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever your family is, whoever your friends are, you're a missionary. And what does that mean? You share the gospel to the lost. But Jesus set this standard, and now we're, we're going to look at this. We as the church must be morally and ethically the complete opposite of the world. Why? Because right now a lot of churches are not. And the world, listen, y'all, listen. Anytime I'm ministering to someone who's not saved, the biggest word they always throw out is hypocrite. And I'm not even saying they're wrong. I'm not even going to say they're wrong. Why? Because the church today, one, is not allowing the Holy Spirit to move freely. It's two, not operating in the power of God. And three, not operating in the authority of God. Wednesday night, we talked about something called a show of power. And when missionaries go to other countries such as Africa, look it up. Y'all, I'm telling you, don't, don't ever just take me for my word if you don't want to. Look up what I'm saying to you. Missionaries, when they go to Africa... When they go to these tribal, these tribes and with these tribal chiefs and these witch doctors who are operating in the demonic, missionaries have to do a sign of power. How many of us have heard the story of Elijah on Mount Caramel when the, the was it, the 200 prophets of Baal and he calls down fire from heaven? Listen, when those missionaries go to these other countries, they literally are doing miracles and wonders. And those people and those tribes are flocking to it. Why? Because that's true power. So when the world sees, listen, I made a post about this on Facebook. I wish that the church would be as zealous for the word of God as the LBGTQ is for their agenda. Why? Because those people know how to rally around a common purpose. And y'all, I'm not going to lie. Other forms of, there's only one Christianity. Other forms such as Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness, y'all, they share the gospel far more than we do. And that's a fact. We as the church have to look different in the way we live. Yo, I'm not even talking about the way. Now, be modest. But in the way you dress, yo, I wear skinny jeans the majority of Sundays. Like, you understand it's about your heart. It's about the way you live your life. The church has to look the complete opposite than the world. Why? Because they're not going to want to be a part of something that looks exactly as they're living. Colossians, this is going to be where we finish. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
You understand a dead person can't sin. They can't respond to anything. So if we truly spiritually die with Christ, sin no longer has an effect on us. Because it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, speaking of the life to come. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Guys, this is something we have to be so serious about. Putting to death, what does that mean? That means you're killing something. When something's dead, does it come back? It ain't coming back. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put, put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with this practices and have put on the new self, the new humanity. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. What's that saying? That's the standard Jesus set for us in the image of him. Who was the image of God upon the earth? Jesus. Renewed in knowledge. Why am I doing so much teaching? Because I want your minds to be renewed as you step into further knowledge of the creator. Because learning about Jesus should be exciting. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. What is that saying? White, black, Hispanic, Asian, any other culture, Hawaiian, whatever you want to say, we are all the same. And only through Christ Jesus can we be free. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Y'all want to know what I love about the Bible? It tells you exactly what you need to do. It tells you exactly what you need to stop and exactly what you need to start. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, Rule your hearts. Y'all, you got to let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Life is hard, y'all. We lose loved ones. We lose friends. People leave our lives. We lose jobs. And if the peace of Christ is not dwelling within your heart, it's going to be real difficult. And y'all, Jesus wants to give you peace. He wants to give you peace. And be thankful. Christians, we got to be thankful for what we do have. Let the word of Christ dwell rich. Listen, and this is how we, church, are meant to interact with one another. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. What am I doing right now? Teaching. Yo, this is what it is. To learn here, to go out and apply. Through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Y'all realize that says everything. Everything, y'all. Literally, Christians, and one thing I, one thing I really do love about Judaism, okay, so the, what, the Jewish religion, is that, y'all, they thank God for everything. Y'all want to hear something crazy? Even for when they use the bathroom. They thank God for their bowels functioning properly. Literally, there, there's an actual prayer for that. Why? 
Yo, we are supposed to thank, yeah, y'all are laughing. But y'all, we are supposed to thank God for everything. For those of us who have had health issues, you know what it's like to have health issues. So then you know what it's like to feel better, right? So you're thanking God for health, even in the small things. We are meant to live our lives, everything we do and say. Y'all, even for me, I'm, I'm having to do this because at 3 a.m. when my baby is screaming and I have to change a poopy diaper that's everywhere and messy in his bed and I have to clean all that, sometimes I don't do that unto the Lord. <laughs> not, I'm not very happy about that. But it says everything, even, even having the opportunity to change that sweet little baby's diapers. Everything. I know that's silly, but it's true. Even in the smallest of things, we are meant to walk that way. We must live within the order of God, and in doing so, we will set the captives free. Why? Because people are going to see the freedom you live in. Listen, order is not bondage. Order is freedom. Why? Because when you live in a state of chaos, you are, you are kept in captivity to so many different desires. And listen, when you live according to your desires and your emotions, you're no better than an animal. I'm just being honest. When you live according to your instincts and your emotions, you're no better than an animal. But there's freedom in order. And believe it or not, y'all, a lot of these people living in chaos are looking for order. Because they're looking for freedom. I'm ending with this. The church has the authority to reestablish order. First in the church, second in the home, third in the world. Amen? And today, what is our takeaway? We as the church have to reestablish order in our influence. And we have to live different than the world. Next week, I'm going to deal with the actual orders of marriage and family and human interactions. And we're going to look at that dynamic. But listen, Christians, it's time we just get back to the word. We've had enough self-help messages. I'm just being honest. We've had enough self-help messages that are just about being a better person. I don't care about you being a better person. I care about you being holy. Because we, every single one of us, are going to have to stand before the throne of God at the end of time in a place of judgment. And I don't want to stand before God and him look at me and say, Josiah Hodge, why did you not preach and teach my word? Why were you just opinionated? Why did you just tell stories? Why did you not lay out the word of God? So while right now our services aren't all hoopla and crazy, you need to take note. Listen, Christians, you need to take notes. You need to read these scriptures for yourself that I am laying out for you. Why? Because a Sunday morning for not even two hours can only do so much for your spiritual state. What would happen if you only ate physical food once a week? What would happen, congregation? You would be emaciated. You would be emaciated. Christians, if you come to church and this is the only spiritual food you have all week, you are spiritually emaciated. So when we come in here, and listen, I'm going to hold you all to a higher standard. Why? Because I hold myself to a higher standard. Why? Because God holds me to a higher standard. And I'm expecting more out of everyone who's a, con a congregant. You go here. This is You claim this is your church. So when we move on into our next series we're doing on the spiritual gifts and servanthood, I'm going to be expecting every single one of y'all to volunteer for a ministry. That means nursery with Miss Shannon. That means children's ministry with Miss Serena. 
That means media ministry. That means internet ministry. That means praise team. That means evangelism team. Why? Because it's not good enough to just sit in a chair for your entire Christian life and do nothing. And it's about time we hold ourselves to... Listen, I'm sick and tired of hearing pastors hold the world to a standard we don't even hold ourselves to. You preach holiness to a world that has no concept of sin, but you preach holiness to your people who are living in sin. It starts here. We lay a foundation of order, a solid foundation of Scripture here, and then we are able to go out and impact the world. Because listen... I want y'all to pray about this. I even want some of you to fast about this. Crossroads is going to pioneer a move of God in West Columbia. And I'm going to preach this. I'm believing for a thousand people to get saved. One thousand people in the community of West Columbia are going to come to know the name of Jesus Christ and be freed. We're bringing order to set the captives free. We're destroying chaos that brings captivity. All right, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we live in this nation, that we live in a country that was founded upon your word, that our founding fathers, if you read their, their journals and their diaries, were constantly talking about you, Lord Jesus, how you set the standard for humanity. So Lord God, Lord God, right now, I just pray that your church would have received this word, this implanted word in their hearts. Lord God, that we, we would not be seeking a hype culture, but that we would just be seeking sound doctrine, sound theology, and sound teaching. But not only would they absorb the word, they would then apply the word. Why? Because the book of James tells us to not only be hearers of the word, but to be doers. Why? Because James says for those who are only hearers are like someone who looked in the mirror and then immediately forgot what they looked like. So what's that saying? If we do not put into practice what we're hearing, we're not, it doesn't matter. It just falls to the wayside. So, Lord God, I pray we would not only be hearers, but we would be doers of the word. Lord God, I pray that you would send just such a standard in our minds, that your Holy Spirit would work on the hearts of every believer, that every believer would hold themselves to a higher standard, to know that holiness is possible if we take the right applicable steps towards holiness. So, Lord God, right now, I thank you for what you're doing in this congregation. I thank you for those who have put on their learning hats to, to apply everything they're hearing in this building. So, Lord God, I pray that we would conduct ourselves worthy of the manner of your grace and of your love and of your cross. Jesus, thank you for making the ultimate sacrifice so we truly can be free. That while we live in a nation of freedom, our souls could be free because of the sacrifice you made upon the cross. Because you came to set the captives free and to release the oppressed. In your name I pray. Amen. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. Thank you for being with us today. And I pray you would take this word and restore order in your households and in your friends and your family and all those around you. Pastor Betty, do you have food? If you would like to go grab some food, it's absolutely free. Head over to our gymnasium and there's a bunch of free food for you.